welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Welcome to episode 134. Today I want to talk to you about confidence, but before I do, before we start, I have a little celebration I'm looking forward to. And I want to share it with you guys because you guys are the reason for it. This podcast, since I first launched it just impulsively way back in episode one, when I thought there is nothing in iTunes for widows, so I'm just going to put something out there out of my own pocket because I can't believe there isn't a podcast for widows. Um, way back then when I took that little impulsive step that really changed my business and changed my life. Since then, we have hit almost 100,000 downloads of episodes of this podcast. Yeah, right now it's sitting at about 95,000 downloads. I just couldn't believe it when I saw that number. So listen, if you know of any other widows, share this podcast. Give them the link. Tell them, go search iTunes for Widow Cast, two words, or search for my name, Joanne Philomena, and my work comes up. I am so looking forward to whoever it is out there that does the 100,000th download on this podcast. Uh, you know, for me, it's not really about the numbers. You know, I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's not about the fact there's been downloads because I do this podcast for free. It's not monetized in any way. Um, and it's for me, it's about 100,000 times somebody has downloaded and listened to an episode and maybe walked away a little bit better. Maybe walked away having learned one thing that makes a difference in their life. That's what it's all about for me. Really, it is. And so when I see numbers like, you know, being at 95,000 downloads, it just makes my throat well up, you know, because I think, oh my goodness, this is how far I've been able to reach. And, you know, when I said I launched it at a time where there were no free podcasts, no paid podcasts, no podcasts at all for widows. So, wow, look where we came. Isn't it amazing? So recently, I emailed everybody who is on the wait list for the subscription membership site. Um, in case you're new here, I have a website uh, called widowcoachingcenter.com. It is a subscription membership, which means you're going to subscribe to it and then pay a little bit each month that you want to continue with it, just like any other kind of subscription out there. 
Um, I'm really excited about this site. I have a small membership in there right now, and they know I love them to death. We closed the doors on the site so that I could nurture them and build more. And soon I will be reopening the doors for that subscription membership, meaning for maybe a five-day time period, you'll have a chance to sign up and become a member in Widow Coaching Center. The reason I'm talking about this is not so much to promote it as to explain that because I have a large wait list now of people waiting for the doors to open, I emailed the wait list. I emailed all of you who have signed up to be on the wait list to be notified so that you can go consider uh, joining the membership site with us and, you know, helping us build that community in there and learning how to go from trying to find your way through this grief back to a life to a place where you are fully living forward in your life again. That's what it's all about. So I emailed the wait list and I said, what is the one most important thing you need in your life right now? Because I want to know these things so that I know the video series that I'm creating each month in that site is really addressing something that is important to all of you. I want you to be able to walk that success path with me to get to where you want to be in your life. And it surprised me, one of the top things that you all responded with had to do with confidence. You just wanted to be confident again. You know, um, some of you said, I'm not sure what I need, which means you have no confidence to even know what you want. Some said, stop being scared to do things alone. Some said, I'm feeling lost. Others said, I want to do things on my own without freaking out. To me, that speaks to, I feel like I lack confidence. And I so get that. I was shocked to discover a few months after Jim had suddenly died that I had no confidence. Because before his death, I was an extremely confident person. Jim and I were, I talk about this, we were very uh, individual in our lives. I had my work and my office at home and the work I was doing. He had retired very young. We were really independent people. And I was a very confident person. I was a director of operations for a company out in, in um, Indianapolis. And you have to have confidence to head up and lead that way. But a few months after Jim had suddenly died, I suddenly realized one day, oh my gosh, I just have no confidence. Like my confidence is down around my ankle somewhere. How did that happen? I couldn't even imagine that that had happened to me. Like, where did that go? And I still can't explain it to this day. I know that so many of us widows experience that. And it can be a shock. Because if you thought of yourself as being a very self-confident person before, and suddenly you feel like this little wimp, <laughs> it's mind-blowing, right? It's like, what happened to me? So today let's talk about confidence and I'm going to talk a little bit about courage 
because confidence and courage kind of go hand in hand, right? They absolutely go hand in hand. And here's the thing I want you to know. Confidence does not come from someplace outside of you. If you've been listening to me all along, you know I talk about, you know, your feelings and your emotions don't just jump into your body from outside of you. Feelings don't come into you from people outside of you. Our feelings always come from what we're thinking in our mind. If somebody says, you look fantastic today, and you're like, ooh, she made me feel really good. No, she didn't. She just said, you look fantastic today. In your brain, you said, ooh, I do look fantastic today. And that's what made you feel good, right? Because you believed her. So it always goes back to what we think. It goes back to what we make, make it mean when other people say something to us. You know, if somebody says, oh, you look fantastic today, you could make that mean, oh, don't I look fantastic every day? Does she think I look like crap the rest of the time? That she would comment on it today that I look good? <laughs> Do you see the difference? Do you see the contrast? And absolutely, there are people who think like that. They just go to, oh, she's telling me I look great today, but does that mean that most of the time I don't look great? Instead of thinking, hey, I do look fantastic today. You know, I feel really good about this. You have two choices on that stuff, right? Maybe three, four choices. You can interpret certain things in so many different ways. And when I say to you, what do you make it mean when that happens? What do you make it mean when somebody says that to you? That's what I'm really asking you. How are you interpreting that in your mind? And how could you reinterpret it in a way that maybe serves you better? So confidence is not something that is going to jump into your body from outside of you. It's something we create in our lives. And confidence requires courage. If you don't have the courage to put yourself out there for something, you'll never feel confident about it. You have to have courage first, right? I learned about something called the four C's, and I teach this a lot, and I'll tell you about it briefly. Because the four C's are kind of how you build confidence for yourself. The first C stands for commitment. It's when you commit to doing something new or trying something new. And here's what happens when we commit to something. Our brain goes crazy <laughs> because that's what our brain does. Our brain goes to the negative. So for example, and I always laugh about this with my certified widow coaches because I know when they talk to me on the phone and they're so excited to do the widow coach certification course to become a certified widow coach to learn how to life coach widows and build a business for themselves. They are like so excited, so enthusiastic. It's like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life now. And they are just high. And like, we're both high because I get excited when I have people sign up for my class and I get to know you a little bit and I get your background story. And it's like, I can already begin to see and feel the future for you. 
And I'm so excited. So we're like excited, jumping up and down. But I know once they are off the phone, they've paid the deposit for the class, their brain is going to kick in to that primitive motivational triad that our brain has. It's the way our brain has kept us alive through all of these tens of thousands of years or however long man has lived, right? So as soon as you make a commitment to something, your brain goes, oh, that's a terrible idea. Do you really think you're going to be able to do this? This is awful. Like maybe this is too much money and we'll never make that money back. Maybe we should just go back to what we're doing. It's so much safer and so much easier to just, let's go sit on the couch and watch Netflix and not do this because our brain is trained to do that. When we used to venture out of the cave, and I've talked about this time and time again, but I want to remind you, anytime you commit to doing something new, it's like you're a caveman stepping outside of your cave. And your brain is like, oh, there could be a saber-toothed tiger over there. There could be a poisonous snake under that bush. We better go back in the cave where it's safe, where we know we're going to stay alive. That's what your brain is doing. So as soon as you commit to something new, your brain is going to go to town. Expect it. Watch it. Just watch it. it and understand that it's just trying to protect you in some way. It's trying to keep you alive. It's trying to save you from saber-toothed tigers. You know, taking a course to learn how to do something new, of course, is not a saber-toothed tiger, but our brain doesn't know the difference because we get that little bit of excited fear in our stomach and our brain goes, whoa, hold on, put on the brakes. That could be a tiger. <laughs> so know that as soon as you commit to something, your brain will tell you all the reasons why it would be a terrible idea to do it because our brains go negative. So in order to go forward with a commitment, how do you get past all of this stuff your brain is telling you? Like, who do you think you are? Right? How do you get past that? That's where courage comes in, you guys. It takes courage to have your brain tell you all these things about why it's a terrible idea and go forward and do it anyway. It takes courage. And do you have courage? Of course you do. Because believe it or not, on a very minute level, this process kicks in when you walk outside to go get your mail. Now, you don't hide in your house. I hope you don't hide in your house afraid to go out and get your mail. But here's the thing. There is on a very minute level, this dynamic going on inside of you when you step out your front door to go get the mail because your brain immediately starts looking for danger. Your brain might even say, you know what, it's just all going to be bills and junk mail. Go back in the house. Why bother? And you have to have this little teeny tiny flame of courage to say, I'm going to go get my bills and my junk mail anyway, brain. And you walk out there and you get your mail. It's kind of the same dynamic. It's so subtle because you go out and get to walk out and pick your mail up out of the mailbox every day so that you've done, you've been through this cycle over and over and over again. Now you don't even think about it. The courage is just kicking in automatically to walk out there and get your mail. It is magnified a thousand times when it's a new action and a bigger action, right? 
that you have to summon up the courage to say, I hear you brain. I hear what you're telling me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to do this anyway. Right. And then you go do it. And as you start doing it, you start learning the steps. You become more capable at it. Right. It's like the first time I did this podcast. I was terrified, had no idea what I was doing. My brain went to town on me. Like, are you kidding? Who do you think is going to actually listen to your podcast? How do you think you're even going to get it out there? It's just going to sit in iTunes. No one's going to find it. No one's going to know it's there. My brain went to town. And I had to muster up the courage to say, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to turn on this microphone that I just bought that I barely know how to operate. <laughs> and I am going to just share my story so that other widows have it there. And so I spent an entire afternoon and it was like all Friday afternoon and then quite a few hours on Saturday morning because I had to figure out like, how do you save it? Where, do, you know, what is a hosting service and how do I upload it to a hosting service? And how do I get the little picture of the podcast that's going to go into iTunes? And iTunes has specifics about the dimensions of that little piece of art. I mean, there was so much involved and I had to go through all those steps the first time. Okay. I had no capability at all. That's the third C. All I had was the commitment and the courage. And then I began muddling my way through it. Well, as I did that first episode, I kind of figured out what all the steps were. And so then I did another episode and I had to go back through all those steps, try to remember all the steps, try to get it all together. And by the time I was doing like my 20th episode, I had developed capability. I kind of knew exactly what I needed to do to record the next episode and get it loaded up on the hosting service and out on the feed into iTunes. So the more I did it, the more I tapped into the commitment and the courage to go tackle it again, I got more and more capable. And as I built capability, the fourth C appeared. And that was confidence. Because now I know I can sh shut my brain up about it. I could go ahead and sit down and do this. And I have the capability. I know what all the steps are. Sometimes I have to check my editing steps because I do do my own sound editing, right? Because probably why maybe this doesn't sound as slick as some other podcasts out there. I don't have a crew. <laughs> it's all me. And so sometimes I have to look back at my editing steps so I get that right. But I'm perfectly capable of creating a podcast to share something with you all, to teach something to you all, and get it out there into the world. And now I'm confident about it. It's like, oh, it's podcast time. Let's go knock out an episode. Now, coming into my office, my studio here, to sit down and record an episode, it almost is as simple as going out to get my mail. It's not quite that simple. I got a lot of things I have to do <laughs> to go through it. But... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not 
I don't have to stand in the door and summon up my commitment and then find where's my courage, shut my brain off. I don't even have to think about that part of the process. I can just walk into my studio, sit down at the mic and begin working on the next episode that I want to share with you. So those four C's are kind of the process of stepping through to build confidence around specific things. Okay. There are other ways to build confidence and you may not be as willing to do this. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you are. I have shared this with my certified coaches. I have even dared my certified coaches because, um, here's the thing. We do double dog dares. A double dog dare, and you can double dog dare yourself. You don't have to have somebody else double dog dare you to do something. You can dare yourself to walk up to a stranger on the street and say, you know what, I want to take a selfie and I would like somebody else to be in it with me. Do you mind if I take a selfie with you? That takes courage to walk up to a stranger and say, hey, can I take a selfie with you? Then we're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But you know what? You can feel embarrassed. Embarrassment does not make you die. <laughs> we think we want to die. We don't die from embarrassment. You can just feel it. And if you let yourself be embarrassed, it dissipates almost right away. But that's a double dog dare. My favorite double dog dare that I did, and I talk about this all the time, I went into a restaurant, sat down, had a lovely meal, and then said to the waitress when she came by, by the way, can you comp my meal today? And she said, oh, is, is there something wrong with your dinner? I said, oh, no, it was lovely. It was wonderful. But I just wanted to know, can you, like, comp it? Can I get it for free tonight? And I did it with a straight face. I didn't tip her off by laughing or acting uncomfortable or rolling my eyes or saying I had to do this on a bet. I just acted like it was the most natural thing in the world to ask the waitress to comp my meal. And I've talked to other coaches who have done the same thing. Now, most of the time the waitress says, well, no, I can't comp it if nothing's wrong with it. And you're like, okay. But here, I'll let you in on a little secret. Most places let their waitresses, waiters, their service people, what's the PC term, you guys? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Allow their service people to comp a certain number of dinners per week or per month. They, they let them know ahead of time, this is how many you can comp if somebody is unhappy. So there have been times when a coach has gone in and said, by the way, can you just comp my meal? No, nothing was wrong with it. I would just like it comp tonight. Could you do that for me? Sometimes the waitress says, sure. <laughs> what? what? I know. I know it. But the whole point of it is not to try to get your meal for free. The whole point of it is that you summoned up the courage to ask it. Right? So what kind of double dog dare can you go do? I'm telling you, I just went through a whole list of double dog dares. When I was at Tribe Live, any of you who have been following me on Facebook or know me, you know I just spent like five days in Toronto, Canada at an event called Tribe Live that was just off the hook, you guys. Off the hook. I did Tribe to try to learn how to better serve my subscription membership community. 
and how to make it be like the most amazing experience for everybody that comes in there. And then they did a live event for all of us. There were like a thousand entrepreneurs from all different walks of life, all different countries. There were entrepreneurs there that had flown from New Zealand and Australia. Like they spent two, three days traveling to get there. Um, but here's the thing on the day before the first day of the conference, they let us come down to the ballroom in the middle of the afternoon to go ahead and register. And then they sent us on a digital scavenger hunt out in the city of Toronto, meaning they gave us a list of things that we could do and take a picture of or take a video of and post it on Instagram with the hashtag that they tell us to put on there because they would then search that hashtag and look at everybody's scavenger hunt and how it's going. And they also had people stationed out in different points all over the city with the clue for the next three things they wanted you to post. So some were bonuses, some were specific things you were looking for in the scavenger hunt. But it wasn't like we were going and trying to find something, like find a used parking ticket, find a no. These were like all double dog dares. At least that's how I felt about them. Because there were things like, um, well, first I have to explain Stu Face. Stu is Stu McLaren. He's one of the goofiest, funniest guys out there. He's my one of my mentors for this. I love Stu McLaren. And Stu has like a thousand faces. But there is a face with big bugged eyes and pursed lips that Stu sometimes makes that we call Stu Face right? So one of the double dog dares was to go find a stranger on the streets in Toronto, teach them how to make stew face and get them to let you take a selfie with them making stew face and post that on Instagram, right? There was, um, to go sing with the street performer, have it videoed and post it. There was uh, kiss a fish, take a picture of you kissing a fish, which means you had to go find a fish, which usually the fish was belonging to someone or it was a fishmonger selling fish. And you're like, do you mind if I kiss one of your fish and take a picture? Hello, talk about having to find some courage to go do these things. It was hilarious because that little corner of the beautiful city of Toronto was taken over by a thousand entrepreneurs all doing these like, shenanigans out there in the city trying to post them all on Instagram it was hilarious and by the end of that it was about a two-hour scavenger hunt I have to tell you that part of the city of Toronto it was like the whole city there had lifted up because of all the crazy silliness and the upbeat vibe of all these people from the convention out there doing this. It's like by the time we all went back into the convention center, everybody that was left out there in the city of Toronto, in our corner of Toronto, were delighted. They were uplifted. They were like all of them had been made part of the silliness going on and they loved it. But double dog dares, I'm telling you, if you can muster up the courage to do something outlandish, then yeah, you start to develop confidence in yourself. And for a widow, for a widow, I don't expect you to go out there and try to kiss a fish and take a picture of it. <laughs> but 
for a widow, sometimes a double dog dare is just going out to eat by yourself. Maybe it's just going to a movie, right? Without a group of people, without like, there's a movie you want to see, you go walk into the theater, you go sit down. Don't tell yourself in your head, oh, I'm doing it all by myself. He's not here. You just bum yourself out. It's dark in the theater. No one knows or even cares that you're there by yourself. Trust me. Nobody is looking at you in the movie theater going, she's sitting here all by herself. <laughs> you just go see the movie. That, for a widow, is like a double dog dare to get the courage to do those things. I know. I remember my first year as a widow. I remember it pretty clearly. And I remember the things that felt like double dog dares that would have just been a normal thing to most people or would have been a normal thing to me months before when Jim was still alive. I wouldn't have thought twice about some of those things, but it took me a lot of courage and guts to go do them. My big thing that I have shared with you guys before, and it just sounds stupid, but it was like three months after Jim died. And it, it might have been sooner, except for the fact that I was living in upstate New York and Jim died on December 29th. So January, February into March, it is snowy and icy and you just don't go driving any distance. <laughs> You're lucky if you can get out of the house and go to the grocery store. That's how I felt about winter. Uh, but a few months after Jim died, there was a big mall in the next state over that I had always talked about going to. Now, you know, Jim being a dude, he wasn't big on malls. He didn't even like to shop. So it kept getting backburnered. But I kept talking about, you know, I want to go to that mall in Danbury, Connecticut. There's a nice big mall out there. So a few months after Jim died, once uh, I remember there was still ice. There was ice like on the hillsides and stuff, but there wasn't like terrible blizzard snow or anything. It was actually a pretty good weather day. I decided I'm going to go find that mall all by, all by myself. Do you hear that tag thought on there? All by myself. I'm going to go find that mall. And I remember driving down the interstate and thinking, oh my God, if my car slides off the road, there is nobody who's going to call for CHP to come look for me, right? The highway patrol might spot my car, but there's nobody waiting at home that's going to say, gee, Joanne should have been home two hours ago. Something has, bad has happened. I realize if I slide off the road, I'm on my own. I'm figuring this out. I hope I'm still conscious. But I still, you know, I didn't turn around and go back. I still like mustered up all the courage I could to keep going, to go find that mall. And my brain was telling me the whole time what a terrible idea it was. That's why my brain told me, hey, the car slides off the road. Nobody going to come looking for you. <laughs> it's where our brain goes, right? My brain said, you're never going to find this mall. This is too far. This is crazy. You're going to be too tired when you get there. Your knees hurt. I have my knees hurt all the time. Your knees hurt. How are you going to walk around a big old mall? But I did it. I went out there. I did it. I had the best afternoon in that mall. Discovered a Trader Joe's was close by, so I went there too. Filled up my trunk with Trader Joe's. I was one happy camper. And by the time I got home late that afternoon, I was elated. I felt totally capable of going back there again because I did it. 
got home, I opened up the truck of my car. I had all this great Trader Joe stuff. I had fresh flowers. I had a few things I'd picked up in the mall. I was just in heaven. And I knew I could go back there again anytime I wanted to. Totally capable because I had already done it. And I was totally confident about it after that. And it was that confidence from that one trip to the mall that helped me go make longer and longer and further trips, helped me drive to the airport up in Albany to fly out to California. And when the time came around that I published my first book, I needed to drive down to my publisher. She was six and a half hours away. And I did that trip over and over again, driving down to my publisher and back. And then the ultimate driving trip, which some of you have been asking me about, is when I just recently sold my house in upstate New York. I put everything on a moving truck to come to Texas, and I drove my old car, she's almost 20 years old now, from New York all the way down into Texas. Took me four days. Can you imagine going from a widow who was really afraid of just driving an hour and a half to a mall to suddenly driving eight hours to nine hours every day for four days straight to cross most of the country? That's because I stepped through those four C's. I learned how to, to notice what my mind was telling me, say, yes, brain, I hear you, but we're doing it anyway, and be able to go do these things. Was I totally confident driving all the way across the state? No. <laughs> I was scared about it. I was nervous about it, but I had planned it out. I made reservations from motel to motel, knowing that they were about eight, nine hours apart driving time. And I went and did it. Right? So know that, one, you don't have to wait to develop confidence. You can feel confident in your attempts. You don't have to wait until you succeed at doing something. They say, okay, now I am all the way to confidence because I found courage and developed capability. You don't have to wait. It starts with just making attempts at things. And if you make an attempt and you fail, it doesn't matter. You found the courage to make the attempt. So you'll be more confident in trying again the next time. It starts out believing in yourself and your own abilities, right? Focus on what you're learning and doing right now in small steps. Just take small steps towards something and don't expect it all to be perfect. Don't expect to get it right every time. You won't. Because confidence comes from being willing to fall flat on your face sometimes. Right? You have to be willing to feel bad. Like to go after something, fall short of it, and then feel the disappointment of that. You have to be willing to feel that before you will even go out and try it. That's part of confidence. You have to be willing to feel afraid. I was feeling afraid when I got in a 19-year-old PT Cruiser to drive all the way across the country with my most valuable possessions in the car 
meaning lots of documents and birth certificates and my Mac computer was in the car and jewelry was in the car. All the stuff that I wouldn't trust to go on the moving truck was in my car. And yes, I had thoughts like, if oh my God, I could be asleep in a hotel and someone would break in this car to steal stuff. And they won't even know what it is. They'll just take it all. They'll like just grab the box that has all of my documents and old family photos and throw it in their car. And then when they get 30 miles down the road and start looking through it, they're going to be like, oh, we don't want this junk and throw it in a garbage can somewhere. My birth certificate and old family photos. I had those thoughts, but I was willing to be afraid and get out there and do this thing. You can end up with a better life because you will take action towards the things you genuinely want in your life. If you're willing to fall flat on your face, you are willing to feel bad. You're willing to feel afraid. You're willing to feel disappointment. But you are like, listen, brain, I've committed to doing this thing and I'm going to do it. Now you genuinely get to create the things in your life you want in your life. That's the amazing part of developing some confidence. So listen, it's my pleasure to talk to you about this today. If you want to go a little deeper, go check out the Widow Coaching Center. Get on the wait list. And then when I open the doors, you'll be one of the first to know. Go in there and invest in yourself and sign up for that subscription membership. You can cancel it at any time, but you won't want to (laughs) because it's good stuff. Oh, also, before I sign off today, very different from the Widow Coaching Center is the course that I teach, which is a life coaching skills course. I teach you and certify you as a certified widow coach so that you can reach out and help other widows pick up the pieces. The process of that course is quite a personal transformation too. It's amazing. My next class for the widow coaches class starts on October 25th. So if you think that you want to learn how to coach, you want to apply these things in a much deeper way and reach out and help others, then you need to reach out to me and we can set up a call so that I can answer all your questions. Reach out to me at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, no E, J-O-A-N-N, at Joanne the Life Coach. Dot com. That is my personal email address. Reach out to me. We can set up a call. Please don't reach out and just say, how much does it cost? I'm not going to tell you an email. I'm not because I interview every single person that comes into that class, right? You can reach out an email and say, how much is your subscription? I will tell you that. But for the widow coaches class, for this coach certification training, I speak to every person. Because I want to make sure it's something that is a great fit for you and is going to work in your life for you. I'm going to make sure of that. Before I tell you anything about the class, I want to know about you. So reach out and don't think that, oh, well, I can't do that. She's not, she's not going to think I'm fit for the class. She's going to stop it. Stop it. Commitment, courage, 
Let's do this thing. Okay, you guys. Get out there. Try some double dog dares. I dare you. And go find some joy in your day. Bye. Bye.